the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. God gave the invader some of the articles of the temple, but everything happens for a reason, right? Because God punishes sin, and Judah had sinned and not listened. There are consequences. So you have this pagan king having his way with the people of God. And you can't miss what goes on here, and this kind of lays out implications for the rest of the book. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall The mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Oh, nothing is impossible Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby. Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the program. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues in his teaching series from the Old Testament book of Daniel. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Daniel, chapter 1. And now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study. There's all kinds of documentation about this. This is why this is so important, because Daniel and his friends, these powerless teens, are going to be inserted into this new superpower that basically has Nebuchadnezzar conquered the known world, kind of like Alexander the Great. Uh, And despite people claiming that this never happened, I told you, you know, that there are liberal scholars. Liberal scholars is kind of a contradiction in terms. Uh, But anyway, but the evidence, they found all kinds of archaeological evidence as always, and it confirms the Bible. I won't walk you through all of them, but one I find particularly interesting is a a tablet. It was like a newspaper, uh, except it's made out of clay or stone. It was a cuneiform tablet that was published It was discovered in 1956. It was published in the spring of 605 BC. And on it, there's like a headline that says, Nebuchadnezzar conquered the whole area of the Hatti country. Hatti was was like a, became a a Babylonian province, but it included Syria and what is in Israel. And so we have documentation that these things are true. The corrupt king of Judah backed the losing side 
And in verse 2, you know, we see that he was, that God gave him into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, into the hand of this pagan conqueror. And Nebuchadnezzar took things out of the treasury. I mean, can you imagine what it was like to be in Judah or Jerusalem? Now, they're going to take these hostages and, and Judah is going, to keep dis, uh, is going to keep rebelling and there are going to be two more deportations before Nebuchadnezzar wipes out Jerusalem and the temple. But what you see here is what some people thought were the end of the world. You know, and, and we, you know, we live in an era, everybody's panicked all the time. The world's going to end. So the Jewish people thought the world had ended at that point. They didn't know that God was in control. They hadn't realized it because they had drifted so far away. But God was in control. But we've lived through it ourselves, right? The French Revolution was supposed to be the end of the world. World War I was supposed to be the end of the world. The Great Depression was supposed to be the end of the world. World War II was supposed to be the end of the world. The Cold War was supposed to bring the end of the world through nuclear holocaust. When I was in seventh grade, we were supposed to have an ice age in the year 2000 that would destroy the whole world. And now it's climate change destroying the whole world. Guess what? The world isn't going to be destroyed and and there's nothing that anyone can do to make the climate better or worse. When Jesus comes, everything's going to be wiped clean. You You know, the other thing that really irritates me is you have these Christian prophecy experts hawking their DVDs on YouTube. Notice that they never sit in a pulpit anywhere. They're prophecy experts. And you know what? The world isn't going to end until God says so. Don't buy the DVDs. And for whatever you do, don't send them to me. Okay? Because they're going to go in my oblong file. Okay? It's the uh, thing that has this little button you can push to and it shreds things. But anyway, yeah. So what's going on here is there's this storm that's come. And the king of Judah, <laughs> Joachim, he's in that storm. And so are these Jewish boys. They are children of the storm, just like Natasha Vins. They've been ripped away from their families. They've been taken away, taken hostage, taken captive. They're going to have to learn a new language. They have new names, names which, were, which bear uh, obedience to the gods of Babylon. They're... They're going to be deprived of their culture and and if if Nebuchadnezzar has anything to do with it, their religion. And they are powerless. They're going to lose their identity. That's the goal. Now, it wasn't just these four. It might have been another hundred or two also. But God zeroes in and we have this scripture on these four. But how in the world could that happen? How could God let that happen to those kids? How how does all this happen? It's just one word. God, and there's another word, sovereignty. This was the will of God. This was the plan of God. You see it in verse 2. Verses 1 through 2. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, by the way, Jehoiakim was put on the throne by Pharaoh Necho. So he's not even a legitimate king anyway. King of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, and the Lord gave. The Lord gave gave you're going to see this phrase the lord gave or god gave over and over again in the book of daniel why is this significant well in your english bibles a lot of times you see the word lord in all capital letters 
You're not going to see that here. This is a different word. It's the word Adonai. And one commentator writes this, God was not asleep, but in full command of the situation, indicated by the name for deity selected by the author. In verse 2, the word translated Lord is not Yahweh. It's Adonai, meaning owner, ruler, sovereign. By use of this expression, Daniel is emphasizing the sovereignty of God, which is the dominant theme of this book. And you're going to see that God is sovereign over Jehoiakim's situation and this seemingly unrelated situation of these four Jewish boys. God ordained the exile. Even in the midst when God punishes a nation for disobedience, the righteous often suffer along with them, and you see that with these young men. But God places them there, and they wind up in key locations like Joseph did when he became, went from being a slave in prison to the prime minister of uh, Egypt, these guys are going to end up running the show in Babylon. There's another thing in here that often people miss here, and that is the value of good parenting. And commentators don't really talk about it much, and when I've heard sermons on Daniel, nobody mentions it. But you know what? Somebody instilled integrity and, and allegiance to Yahweh in these boys. And these boys, I mean, they had, must have had a good mom and dad because the integrity and the faithfulness to God that they show in the face of impossible circumstances cannot be missed. So I would say to you, and remember you heard it here first, folks, that Daniel is also a tribute to good parenting. So, initially, Daniel is a powerless hostage who finds his way to live for God. He, he's not a revolutionary. He doesn't cause trouble. He never tries to escape. He's a model about living in exile as exiles. But through his witness, through his conduct, through his integrity, he ends up in the seat of power, and he witnesses to Nebuchadnezzar. He witnesses to Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's successor. He witnesses to Darius the Mede, and he witnesses to Cyrus of Persia, who will set the Jews free, which we talked about in Nehemiah. They came back. So the question is, is will you learn from Daniel? Will you learn from Daniel? And as somebody once said, every good sermon has a so what. So now, that's all introduction we come to the sermon, which is really the application of everything we just talked about. I want to give you three takeaways as we review an application. Three applications from Daniel 1, 1 through 7 that you can apply in your life in the here and now so that you can live for God, so that you can live as an exile in exile without compromising your integrity as you bear witness to Christ. Takeaway number one is this. Know that in every natural or national disaster, God is in control. God is in control. Where do we see that? Daniel 1, 1 through 2. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. Here we have this apparent disaster, the siege of Jerusalem. God gave the king into the hand of an invading army. God gave the invader some of the articles of the temple. 
But everything happens for a reason, right? Because God punishes sin, and Judah had sinned and not listened. There are consequences. So you have this pagan king having his way with the people of God. And you can't miss what goes on here, and this kind of lays out implications for the rest of the book. In those days, pagans, unbelievers, measured the power of your God by the power of your army. So if my God was bigger than your God, we could whip up on you. And so this was a double humiliation for the Jews because those gods of Babylon, at least on the surface, appeared to whip up on Yahweh and take the king and things out of Yahweh's temple. And so this humbled a stiff-necked people and everyone, as I said it before, is affected by disasters like this. Sin has collateral damage. And the people of Israel were corrupt. Their government was corrupt. Their worship was corrupt. And the righteous suffered along with the unrighteous. Where do we see that? Daniel 1, 6 and 7. Among these captives were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, and Mishael he called Mesach, and Azariah he called Abednego. So here are these young men who we know are righteous because we read about everything they do and think and say later. And because their government was corrupt, their corruption affected them in a very painful manner. They are ripped away from their families and taken hostage. That's going to happen with you. You know, our government with its, I mean, we have probably the most perverse government in the world right now in power in this country. I mean, just imagine this, you know. And there are going to be consequences that affect you spiritually, physically, economically. That's what's going on here. But know this, takeaway number one, that in every natural and national disaster, God is in control. God is at work. Takeaway number two, understand understand that God is in control of the present, the near future, and the distant future. God is never asleep at the switch. God is in charge of everything. We'll come back to Daniel 1, 1 and 2 and just look at the fact that you have this invasion. The third year, Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem. And verse 2, and the Lord gave... Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. The Lord gave. God gave. This did not surprise God. How do we know that? How can we be sure? Because Habakkuk, in Habakkuk 1, 5 through 9, said this was going to happen. He said this was going to happen. Let me read it for you. So Habakkuk here, there's a dialogue between God. Habakkuk is praying. And he's praying to God, how can you let this country go down the tubes? How can you let this happen? Do something. We have, an, we have a corrupt government. We have corrupt leadership. Do something. And he does. Habakkuk 1, 5 through 9. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, look. I am raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation 
who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are imperialistic conquerors, we would say today. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. They are a law unto themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than evening wolves. I don't like the sound of that. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle to devour. They all come for violence. All their faces forward. And looky here. They gather captives like sand. Captives like sand. Habakkuk predicted this. God gave him this revelation and he wrote this down. He, God, Yahweh, repeatedly warned Israel and Judah. Israel was carried off by the Assyrians to who knows where. And Judah, which would be Judah and Benjamin, to repent and they wouldn't do it. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, prophesied, you know, that they would be carried off for 70 years. I mean, and finally, because the people did not repent, God brought judgment. Daniel 1, 2, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he gave captives in a series of deportations. But he also gave hope How do we know that? Well, Habakkuk said, this is what's going to happen. It happened. But in Jeremiah 29, 10 and 11, and 11 is one of the most misquoted and misapplied texts in Scripture. But in Jeremiah 29, 10 and 11, Jeremiah lays out what to expect. So we know God is in control. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill you my promise and bring you back to this place for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope this was his promise not to you but to Israel nonetheless understand that God is in control God is in control of the past the present and the future of Israel of Judah of you Nothing happens by accident, even the trials that come through the collateral damage of our leaders or anything or anyone else. So what happened? God gave Judah into Babylon's hands. God gave these young men, these captives, into the king's service. God gave these Jewish boys their Babylonian names, and the Lord gave So takeaway number one, know that God is in control of every national and natural disaster. Takeaway number two, understand that God is in control of the present, the near future, and the distant future, as we're going to see more of. And takeaway number three, grasp that he will preside over the decline of every nation, like ours. Every nation has, like people, have come with expiration dates. I have an expiration date. You have an expiration date. We're all going to die. Nations have expiration dates. This country has an expiration date. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. The Lord gave. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But can you, again, imagine the 
the shock of the Jewish people. But they didn't understand that it was all part of God's plan and the Lord gave. God was in control, presiding over it all, all of it, just as he is in your life right here and right now today, right now. But remember this, this understanding of God's sovereignty. There's shocking things, disturbing things that we read here. But you know what? We let Scripture interpret Scripture and there's hope all over the place. Luke 12, 6 and 7 reminds us that God is sovereign. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, Jesus says, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why even the hairs of your head are all numbered? Fear not, you are more valuable than many sparrows. He's talking to the Jewish people, yes, and he's talking to you and I down through the pages of history, down through the pages of scripture. God is sovereign. All that is going on is part of history, his story. And more importantly, everything that happens from a sparrow falling from a tree or a fender bender or somebody taking your catalytic converter, God is involved in all of it. He's involved in your role. God is in the details. Five sparrows didn't go for much back then, and yet God was in the mix for them. And so don't miss the statement, fear not, for you are more valuable than five sparrows. No matter what happens tomorrow, next week, next year, 10 years from now, Daniel gives us a picture of how to live as exiles in exile. As he lives there, He's about 16 when he gets there, and when we leave him there, he's about 85 years old. And he survived at least three to four regime changes. Not just Daniel, but others as well. And he predicts the rise and fall of the Medo, you know, Babylon, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greeks, and Rome, the rise of Antichrist, and the coming millennial kingdom of Christ. The question is, how then shall we live in all these contexts under all these circumstances? As we read this and think about our own life, and the answer is from Daniel, watch and learn and do so without fear, do so without anxiety. Look to God and not to men. So, you're not ever forgotten if he doesn't forget the sparrows. Know that God is in control. God is sovereign in every national disaster. He knows the past, the present, and the future because he's ordained it. And even the decline of this world that we live in, and even this country, God is in the details. So what do you do with that? You trust and obey. You trust and obey, number one. Number two, you know his word, do his will. That's part of trust and obey. And if you don't know his word, study his word. Because you cannot cram for life. You, you can't play. You need to start playing catch-up ball now. And I'll tell you why. In my closing illustration, 62% of people in America believe in reincarnation. These are the non-believers. Believe in reincarnation, crystals, energy in mountains in the forest, and Astrology. In the same Pew survey, it said that 62% of Christians, same number, believe in reincarnation, crystals, energy in mountains, 
astrology, how would they fare in Daniel's time? How will you? Because you are an alien and a stranger. You are not of this world. And you're going to have to function in this world for the rest of your lives as an exile because you belong to Christ. Your life belongs to him and you must spend it wisely. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.